You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. We're going to continue in our Roman series. You got me tonight and next week. We're going to look at the last half of Romans 3. Tim and Paul have done up to this point tonight. We're going to be covering verses 21 through 23. And I honestly feel bad for Tim and Paul the first four weeks because they got the tough ones. You know, up to this point in Romans, it's been, it's been rough. I'm like, golly, Apostle Paul, like, chill out on us like a little bit. Like, this is intense, man. And, uh, yeah, they, they did a great job. If you haven't listened to the first four lectures, I really want to encourage you to. It's, it's really incredible. Um, they definitely, without a doubt, got us through the hardest part of the book. So uh, I'm blessed to get to start where I get to start tonight because it was all the bad. And now Paul's going to go into the good news. Um, and I, I really believe from this point on, in Romans 3, all the way through Romans 8, that it is just like, it's definitely the pinnacle of the Apostle Paul's teaching. Everything he wrote, it, this is just incredible revelation that he shares with us for the next five chapters. Uh, it may be the pinnacle of all of Scripture, just like, because it's lead, where he's going to take us is going to lead up to Romans 8, and it's just like the top of the top. I, I believe that that this part of scripture and then John 15 through 17 might be the two most important passages. I could just read those over and over and over again. They're so, so, so incredible. But up to this point, the Apostle Paul has been explaining our sinful state, our need for salvation. Uh, he's explained that the law, obeying the law cannot provide salvation. And really, it really just shows us how sinful that we actually are. He's showed us that we're all sinners and there's no way that we can fulfill the requirements of the law. And he's made a, dist- a distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles because uh, he says, Gentiles, like you're trapped in your sin, you're broken, you're depraved, you're all of these things. And then he's, the Jews thought they were high and mighty because they were God's chosen people. And like, surely God won't treat us this way. And Paul says, you're more guilty because you had the law and you can't obey it. And you, you're still broken in your sin. You're just a little bit more hypocritical about it. And so he's really... <laughs> He's really going through here, showing us that we're all guilty, we've all fallen short, and there's nothing we can do. And you just, you get to verse 20 in Romans 3, and you're like, man, like, golly, I'm just going to go cry now. Um, So, but good news, the book goes on, the letter goes on. So where do we go from here? What do we do? What's the answer? How can this relationship with God be restored that has been broken? And so this last part of chapter 3, Paul is going to explain to us the concept of a theological term of justification. So we're going to talk about justification tonight uh, because we need to be justified. It's a legal term. We need to be justified. Uh, We need to be made right because we all stand guilty. So Paul's going to show us how we can be made right. Um, we're gonna br- I'm going to break this down into to, it's 11 verses. I'm going to break it down into four parts. So let's read verses 21 through 24. I'm going to read them in the New Living Translation. It says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned, We all fall short of God's glorious standards, yet God, in his grace, freely 
makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalties for our sins. So all the bad news coming up to verse 20 and it's like, oh no, like there's no way out of it. And then, but now, that should excite everyone. And like, if you come in here and just like, oh yeah, I know that, like justification by faith, like I got that down. Like, come back to that first encounter that you had that revelation of, but now. (laughs) Come on, man. God has shown us the way to be made right with him, and it doesn't require us obeying the law. (laughs) That is so good. If you don't think that's good, just go read Leviticus. (laughs) (laughs) And just feel the weight of everything that you would have to do constantly to stay right with God. Not just like, don't do this, but it's like, do this and this and this and this and this. Oh, and this and this and this and this. Man, (laughs) it's intense. And he says here in verse 21, he says, the law and the prophets, they were both pointing ahead to this promise. They were both pointing ahead to God is going to make a way. All of the law, all the prophets were pointing ahead to Jesus, that he was going to set us free from our sin. And he says it in this verse, there's nothing you could do. You can't do it without keeping the requirements. But God is going to. This verse is so powerful. It's so exciting. It's so freeing. And so he says in, in verse 21 there, he has shown us a way to be made right without keeping the requirements of the law. So what is that way that we can be made right? I'm glad you asked. Verse 22 says, we are made right by simply placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. That's what he says. It's for everyone. Like, what, like that's it? Like, what do I have to do? Just believe in Jesus. That's it. You just place your faith in Jesus. Just believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Believe and trust in him. And guess what? You're saved. Forever. That's salvation, that you're forever saved. Now, so, well, I place my faith in Jesus. Like, well, what is faith? Faith is, and faith is not like, a, um, like an intellectual agreement. It's not like just my mind is there. It's that my heart is there. Like I have a heart knowledge. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Really, you could translate that to, as a man thinketh in the deepest place of who he is, so is he. So it's a heart knowledge, it's a faith. It's a trust, a reliance, a confidence that involves our personal commitment to which what we believe. My simple definition for faith is this. It's believing that God is who he says he is. And that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Or, in this case, he's done what he said he was going to do, because it is done. For to telestah, that's the Greek word that Jesus said on the cross, and that's an efficacious, efficacious. I think that's the word. It's it's like forever, completely done, completely finished, never going back. This happened, and it's done. And so, a faith to believe like that actually happened. And then the B clause of 22, it's for everyone. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, doesn't matter your race or status. The gospel is for the entire world. The entire world. And man, this is good news for me and you because we're Gentiles. Right? I don't know, there might be a Jewish person in the room. But it's awesome that, that we get grafted into the vine, that we get to become a part of this family. It's freely and equally available to everybody. Anybody who believes, anybody who puts their faith in Jesus now has access to God. 
Woo! <laughs> this is an awesome, amazing truth. Because <clears throat> we see two things here. He's set up in the first three and a half chapters. Everybody's guilty. But the good news is everybody's invited. Everybody has been invited. Everyone, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, this right here has the power to set the most wretched people in the world free. A lot of people have t- hard times believing this because of their past. And like, you know, if, you, if we all knew like what each other did, I, I think sometimes we think like, man, I'm really bad, but you don't know what the person next to you's done. Right? Golly. I don't want to get up here and put everybody on blast, but it, you know, I think you, the devil comes and he gets us. And he's like, I can't believe you said that. Can't believe you did that. Can't believe you think that way. Can't believe you talked to your wife that way. Can't believe you did this behind her back. Can't believe you did this behind his back. Can't believe. And that's what he does. He just picks at us. And so we like, you know, we're fall on the floor like we're just a miserable wretch. And Jesus comes in and says, uh, <laughs> not anymore. No matter what you've done. It's good news. <laughs> Verse 23. Verse 23, four, I, this is a short verse that, that most people know, um, and it, it sounds like really like, oh, like, oh, golly, like, that's bad news, but it's so powerful. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned. We all need the salvation. We all need rescuing. But, and I want you to know, there is some kind of bad news in here. <laughs> verse 23, like, this is the indictment against all of us. This isn't like, you know, you're a victim of what Adam did. This is like you participated in what Adam did, right? I, I, you know, if you have the thought of like, man, like couldn't just like not eat fruit? Like golly, like I could have done that. You know what that is right there? Your self-righteous pride and you just ate the fruit, <laughs> right? That's what it is. Like I wouldn't do it. Well, I would never. Okay, like awesome. <clears throat> it makes us not a victim, but a participant in his rebellion. So like we're the problem. We're the problem, and guess what? We can't solve it. Just like a math equation doesn't solve itself. I, it's easy for Christians like for us to get caught up in this legalism, to get caught up in this obeying the law, to get caught up. It's so easy because we're like a real, I mean, y'all just watch the news. We're like a real justice-driven society. Like we want to know what to do and what not to do. Like we want to lay those things out. Just tell me what to do and tell me what not to do, and it'll be that simple. Except that it's not. <laughs> it's not that simple. Jesus made that very clear. <clears throat> so we've got to stop expecting that we're going to work ourselves out of our sin. Every other religion in the world is works-based. You have got to do this and do this and do this and do this to appease your gods. Your God or your gods. Not Christianity. It's just believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you can receive that revelation, that he's Lord, that he's Messiah, that he's Son of God, the Holy Spirit will come inside of your life and he will begin to put his finger on things that he wants to get rid of. He will bring that conviction of like, hey, give me this, hey, give me this, hey, give me this. And when you get a revelation of how good God is, you freely go, okay. Like, here you go. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to break this down real quick. Sin the definition of sin, Greek word for sin, means to miss the mark. Miss the mark. It actually means like shooting an arrow at a target and you didn't shoot it far enough and you fall short of what? God's glory. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all were aiming 
and we all fell short. Sin is doing Sin is doing anything other than what God put you on this earth to do. And he put us on this earth to reflect his image. We were made in the image and likeness of God. And so we were called to reflect that. In sin, if you're missing the mark, if you're falling short, it's because we get distracted, we get tempted, and we begin to do other things that don't reflect the image of God. It's, it's simply put, when we're not being like him. Romans says that anything not done in faith is sin. So any part of our life where the faith is not right in the middle of it, right at the foundation of it, we begin to miss the mark. That's what Paul says towards the end of Romans. What is, so if the glory of God is the aim, what is the glory of God? What exactly are we aiming at? I love, there's a guy, um, I think it was from 15th century maybe, his name was St. Irenaeus. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. What did Jesus come to do? I came to bring life and to bring it to you more abundantly. I came to restore that which was lost. I came to bring back everything Adam forfeited. I came to, to make it to where you could reflect the image of me again. That's, that's the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to enjoy God and to glorify him always. Man is fully alive when he is enjoying God and doing everything to bring glory to God. That's a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. So how, how do we become fully alive? How do we hit the mark? We put our faith in Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus and guess what? In God's eyes, you begin to hit the mark every time. Romans 8 says that we are predestined to be transformed into the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says when the veil is removed, we cannot, only see, we cannot only see, but we also reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and he transforms us into the image of Jesus from glory to glory to glory. Ever increasing, ever becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus. Now, as we go in more into Romans, we'll talk about the concept of sanctification as well. But <laughs> the justification part is you have been made holy forever. Verse 24 says, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the pen penalty of sin. I love how the Passion Translation, it just changes that first part of it. It says, Yet God with undeserved kindness declares us righteous. Mm. Grace is undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. Our salvation, our born again experience must start with kindness. That has got to be at the root, the foundation of what we believe about God is that he comes after us with kindness and goodness. huge is is god a judge declaring us innocent sure but more importantly than that and you'll see this play out as we get into romans 8 it's abba bringing us into his home and if you can't marry judge with abba you're going to have some issues because on one side, people are like, you know, I don't want to call God Father because my father was awful to me. 
And I get that. I sympathize with that. It, it, takes a long, it took a long time for, for me to get my father's face off of God. It took a long time to get the way that my mother and father treated me legalistically to get that off of the father of God. That's, that's tough. It is, it's really hard, but this father is perfect, and this father never leaves, and this father always meet, meets you with kindness and goodness. Do you, know, do you want to know what your father is like? Read the gospel. Jesus said in, in John 14 to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've seen me, so it's important in Romans 3 here that we begin to understand how God sees us, and God sees us, guess what, through the lens of Jesus. But it's important that we turn right back around and see him through the lens of Jesus. Don't see, listen. I know God is a judge, I get that. But I like to see God as a judge, not one in a Western courtroom. But I like to see God as a judge like in the book of Judges. And every time in the book of Judges, the people of Israel got themselves into a bunch of doo-doo because of things they did. Guess who God sent to rescue them? A judge. A judge was a hero that came and set them free. Come on. (laughs) He's good. (laughs) See, and this is kind of what I, you know, what I fell into growing up. Um, Religion, religion loves to just see him as angry and wrathful and, you know, a judge who just, you know, is about to bang the gavel. Um, Religion's goal is to keep <laughs> religion's goal is to keep us so scared that we're terrified to blow it. And that plan has really backfired. Because now you have a bunch of Christians that have operate under a pharisaical spirit and we hide our dysfunction because we're afraid of judgment. And the world can look at the church and rightly say, bunch of hypocrites. But it's all because we have thought that God is just waiting to not, you know, hit the gavel on the thing and declare us guilty, but God is waiting to hit us with the gavel when we mess up. That's what I felt like growing up. I felt like if, I, if I'm, you know, God's so, he's mad at me, he's wrathful, he's angry, all of these things, God hates sinners and you're a wretched sinner and all, the, and all this stuff, and like, but thank God Jesus stepped in the way and took the blow for me. And I think many times that's how we view God, but that, it's uh, 2 Peter 3.18, it's not God's will that any should perish. He's patient, and he's kind, and he's loving. And religious leaders that I had growing up, no judgment towards anyone, no ill will towards anybody, but many times growing up, I was shamed into behaving right. I was scared into being moral. Because if I wasn't, God was going to send me to hell. I cannot tell you how many altar calls I answered growing up. Just a hurt 11, 12-year-old kid. <laughs> and all I got all the time was, God's angry, he's wrathful. If you don't do this, this, and this, man, you're, I don't know what to tell you. You're not saved, you're going to hell. <laughs> or, <laughs> or that Jesus was going to come back any minute. And if I, if I hadn't, you know, dotted every I and crossed every T, like I was going to be left behind. He was going to snatch everybody else but me. And then I watched the Left Behind movie and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I really don't feel like it was, this is not necessarily just leader's fault, but my own dysfunction in my life. 
um, is I, I really felt up until my early 20s, I, I, I didn't really get the father heart of God up until my, my early 20s. Because I don't, I don't really remember, I remember getting beat over the head with a Bible, just saying, like, you got to do right, you got to do right, you got to do right. But I don't really feel like I ever got taught verses like Romans 2, 4 that says, don't you know it's the goodness and the kindness of God that leadeth men into repentance? I didn't get that side of the Lord. Or 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. What is, first, what is he talking about? And it, if you read the rest of the verse, he says, fear regarding judgment, fear regarding punishment. From who? From him. Perfect love that we get from Christ push, and from the Father pushes all that out. Forever. No longer am I being punished. Jesus took my consequences. Now, hell is real, damnation is real, God's anger and wrath are real. I'm not making light of any of those things, but none of those things bring you, according to Romans chapter 2 verse 4, none of those things bring you into repentance the right way. It's his extravagant kindness that is meant to be the tool that leads you into repentance. His goodness is his drawing agent. Now, I believe that conviction of sin definitely plays a part in our repentance, but it's the kindness of God and the light of our sin that leads us to repentance. So the prodigal son didn't get an earful on the, when he came back home. He got kisses. He got kisses. And I, I'll say this. I blew it a lot in high school and in college. My mom, my mom would do this. Anytime I blew it big time, she would always send me to David's house. Now, you got to go stay with David, David Pate. He's like, you got to go stay with David and Melissa. Like, you got to get out of here. And do uh, you know what David never did when I came over to his house? He never lectured me. He never came down. Not let lecturing and correction is, is wrong. I think there's definitely a place for that. But I was getting it a lot from home. And you know what it made me want to do? Rebel even more. It made me want to rebel. It made me want to leave and never come back. It made me want to do more stuff because I just got angry. Because it was never, I was, my, my sin was never met with kindness. It was never met with goodness. It was never met with, hey, that's not who you are. And I'd go to David's house, and you know what we would do? We would have fun all weekend long. And I remember being on David's basketball team. And then also uh, in college, I, was, uh, I would come and help David coach and stuff. And I, and I did some stupid stuff under his leadership. But you know what it was always met with? Kindness and love. And you know who was my hero in high school? David Pate. You know who you know who had a key role in my life, having a revelation of the Father's heart? David Pate. Why? Because he didn't meet me with legalism. He met me with kindness. He didn't meet me with justice of like, you did this and now you deserve this. That's not what I was met with. I was met with the goodness and the kindness of God. Here in the last part of Romans 3, God is revealing to us how he responds to those who put their faith in him. And Paul is beginning to unwrap and unveil his goodness and his kindness. He's beginning to show the way that God has pursued us, the way that he has come after us despite us running away from him, despite us responding to his love with sin. And so we've been justified. 
We, we, justification by faith. Justification is simply put just to declare righteous. God has banged the gavel. He's declared us innocent forever. Instead of finding us guilty, we are now in right relationship because we are forgiven. And we've been given a new status. We've been given a new family. We've been adopted. We're sons and daughters. And we've been given a new future. It's just incredible. <laughs> Let's move on. Verse 25 and 26 says, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows us that God was being fair and including, uh, I'm sorry, was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So he's, he's saying that even ones past that believe in God, that, that the blood of Christ also covers them. He was being fair and being just, and he was including their past sin, just like he has covered your past sin, taken away your past sin, and also like you're going to be, you're forgiven already of when you blow it again. Uh, in the NIV version, it says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, atonement is an Old Testament word that means covering. The children of Israel had to sacrifice animals to cover, a, or a, the word atone, for their sin. And God was so gracious because he was allowing an animal to take their sin on. And the blood of the animal, like, and when they sacrificed the animal, not only like the blood symbolically covered the people, but the high priest would walk around and he would splatter blood all over the temple. Kind of gross process, kind of morbid. Um, it, we, it's, it was a much different time. This is Obviously, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our brain about why they would do that, but it's very symbolic. But the, but the blood then, as he was splashing it around on the temple, on the altar, different places, it was, it was purifying. Not just purifying, like the, the blood from the animal purified the, the inside. It covered the people and washed them clean. And then the blood that they splattered around symbolized, like, I'm purifying all the devastation, all the consequences, everything that has taken place because there has been sin. Does that make sense? Because it's like, you know, it, like it, say I go to Paul's house and I steal his motorcycle. There would be, <laughs> Paul's shaking his head, I couldn't drive it anyway. <laughs> but there would, there would be just, like he would want justice. He would want, you know, I, maybe I stole it, took it for a joyride and just wrecked it. He would want it to be, he would want to be repaid. Now I could repay him. I could pay him back for it. But do you know what? Paul and I's relationship is now fractured. But I've already paid for it. Well, there's still, there's still consequences. Paul's never going to trust me again. And so what this blood that he was splashing around was to purify all the devastation and consequences that were taking place because of people's sins. <clears throat> and it brought not only, so atonement not only brought people into, uh, not only cleans them of their sin, but brought them into right relationship, not just with him, but with one another. It's a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. <clears throat> Christ is now our atonement. He is, he is a sacrificial atonement for our sins, not just to cover them, but to wash them away, to take them completely away. And I love, I love, I heard a lot of people say this, that atonement, if you break that word down, it's at one mint. At one mint. Because the goal of Christ's sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice, was to bring God and me back together again. At one mint. Mm-hmm. 
That's, so, that's good news. That is so good. Um, <clears throat> and, and the main point of this, uh, of atonement, is not, I think I said this Sunday morning, it's not wrath satisfied, it's relationship restored. God wasn't up there throwing a temper tantrum saying like, I can't wait to get that Josh Barnett. Man, I'm so mad at him. I'm so frustrated with him. I'm so angry with him. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my son. <laughs> That's wild. Okay, it's not, <laughs> it's not God loves us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loves us. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. <laughs> not for, for God was so angry and frustrated and fed up with us that I guess I'll send my son. He wanted to. For God so loved the world, he came. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Our bill has been paid. Oh, I gotta hurry. Y'all are holding me back. You're distracting me. Let's, all right, let's go. The bill has been paid. The moment we believe, the moment we put our faith in Christ, we receive the forgiveness of sins. We actually receive three things. When we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the forgiveness of sins. We receive eternal life, which starts now, by the way, not when you die. We receive eternal life, and we receive the imputation of his righteousness. The imputation of his righteousness. So you, me, regardless of what we've done or what we're going to do, we have literally actually been given the righteousness of Jesus because he on the cross became our sin and then poured the wrath and the consequences all got poured out on him and it was an exchange of here's this sin or like we give or he took our sin can't think he took our sin and gave us his righteousness that is an unfair deal if you ask me big time he paid the bill he paid the bill. We have righteousness of, of Christ simply by faith alone. God sees you as Jesus, and he's always going to see you that way. 50 years from now, guess what? He's still going to see you that way, whether your behavior has improved or not. Now, I believe that if your faith is in Jesus truly the right way, your behavior will improve. But even if it doesn't, he still sees you like he sees Jesus. I don't know about that. It's a greasy grace, man. It's too good to be true. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> God, Christ came, God in the flesh, and his perfection was imputed to us, his good deeds imputed to us, his innocence, his righteousness, his perfection, all imputed to us. <clears throat> his wrath, because of our rebellion against him, is absorbed by Christ on the cross. The resurrection is the objective evidence that the bill has been paid in full. That justification that's justification that you and I have been justified before God and that the sovereign judge of the universe concerning you, concerning me, has banged the gavel and declared us innocent. And that is unbelievable. Well, I hope you believe it, but you get what I mean. <clears throat> okay, so example here. Uh, there's a lot of times where I go out to lunch with people, with friends or whoever, and there's always this awkward moment where the waiter comes up and says, is it all on one or separate? You ever been in that situation? You're like, I don't know if I should pay for this person. Like, because I felt like sometimes, like, if I pay for that person, you know, they're gonna be like, well, you don't think I have enough money? Or like, or like, or you took me out to lunch, like, you should pay for me. And so it's like this kind of like weird thing. And I'm thinking, like, well, you asked me, so do you wanna pay for me? So it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know. But listen, when I go out to lunch with dad, dude, steak and lobster, sweet tea, 
right? And dessert, like, let's go. Like, dad makes way more money than me. Like, it's on him. He's, and it's, our, it's, it's known. Like, every time we go out, he always says, order whatever you want. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now, but like, I got four kids. So when, so when we go out to eat, like, it's water. It's like, hey, I know it's five o'clock, but can I eat off the lunch menu? You know, it's, y'all are sharing a kid's meal. No, just bring him a side of green beans. That'll be good. Uh, you know, no dessert, no, no nothing, right? It's a, that's what it is. But when it's dad, <laughs> when I go out to eat with dad, and it's just like this in our spiritual life, we have a check that we can't pay. <laughs> it's insurmountable. We need a dad. We need a father that when check comes, he says, it's all on me. I got it. <laughs> I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it. But it's different because it's not a dollar amount on this check. It's the son of God. And you know what the father says? I'll send him. That's how much I love these people. I'll send my own son. Even though he didn't do anything wrong. I'll send my son. That's love. Golly, that's love. Mark 10, 45, he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It was an atoning sacrifice that covered the debt that man owed to God for all the evil and death that we have caused in this world. God is holy and he is just but he has justified us so that we could be righteous and holy and come into the presence of a righteous and holy God. See, he's so holy, sin can't even be in his presence. That's why we had to be covered with the righteousness of Christ. That's why it had to be imputed to us so that we could come into his throne room, so that we could boldly come up to the mercy seat. All right, verses 27, 28. It says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. So it, get, you know, it gets so good that's unbelievable. And that's why he's got to ask these questions like, who can boast? Like, you can't do anything. You can't get out of this pit. You can't get out of this hole. You can't get out of this hell. Who can boast about it? No one. We did nothing. Jesus did it all. Jesus did all of it. Man can't take any honor for this. We can't brag about it because it's nothing we did. All the work was done by Jesus. It's not based on our good works. It's not based on obeying the law. It's based on what Jesus himself did. And we're just left with God did it and I don't deserve it. Hmm. All right, last couple verses here. 29 to 31. After all, is God the God of Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does that mean that we can, that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Now, Paul leaves us with three things here. Uh, a conclusion. He's wrapping it up. Number one is his plan. Number one is his plan. is justification by faith. It, the plan for salvation is justification by faith, not obeying the law. You cannot earn it. And what faith does is faith, faith eliminates our human pride because it doesn't come from our effort. Faith exalts what God has done. Faith admits that we need God's help. We can't obey the law. And faith, this is the best part, is based on relationship, not performance. Mm. <laughs> Number two. Number two is people. That's why he starts talking about Jews and Gentiles here. He's the God of all, all. When he says all, he means all. He's making sure that we get the point of who he meant when he said all. That doesn't seem like a big deal to us now, but here it was like a really big deal that it's all people, not just Jews 
It's Jews and Gentiles, everybody, every race, every socioeconomic status. Number three, purpose. Paul simply says justification by faith does not contradict the law because the law was never intended for justification. It doesn't contradict it. It was never intended for justification. What, what justification by faith does is it establishes the law. It fulfills the very purpose for which the law was given. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to walk it out to a T, and now I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to write the law of God on your heart. Mm. So the sinner would recognize his guilt and flee to the Savior for forgiveness. The law was given to make sin known, so we would recognize that guilt, and we would run to him for forgiveness. So when men come to the Savior and are justified through faith, the very purpose of the law is actually being fulfilled. Amen? Y'all stand with me. That was a blur. I feel like I talked really fast. Next week, uh, I'm going to go into uh, Romans 4. I'm going to go up to verse 17 where Paul begins to kind of explain this. He gives an example of Abraham being justified by faith. So he begins to like lay this out with an incredible example. So come back next week because, it, man, it just gets better. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for, thank you so much for your word, Lord. We're so grateful to you for your word. We're so grateful to you that you sent your son Jesus to take the penalty that we deserved, the punishment that we deserved, the consequences that we deserved. We thank you for that great love that he would lay his life down, God, for just this unfair trade, this undeserved kindness, this undeserved mercy, Lord. We thank you that your mercy triumphs over judgment. We thank you that you are merciful to us and you took the judgment upon yourself that you're not, uh, that you're not just the justifier but you're, or just the just, but you're the justifier, that you took it upon yourself, Lord. You took the guilt, you took the shame, you took everything that was holding us captive. You took it on yourself to break us free from it. Lord, teach us to walk in freedom. Teach us to walk by faith. Teach us to do what you've called us to do. Show us, Lord, how to reflect your image, how to bring you glory, Lord. We love you, God. We're so grateful to what you're doing in our life, Lord. We lift up our nation to you right now in Jesus' name. We break off the coronavirus off of this nation. We, we, we rebuke it out of here. It has to go. It has to go. Holy Spirit, I invite your presence into our cities, into our homes, and just bring healing power, God, and leave us in a place where people look and say, only God, only God could do this, Lord. We love you, Lord. Go before us, go behind us, be with us, God, as we finish out this week. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.